Well, hey, uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of our pastors here on staff, and I'm thankful to get to be with you this morning and get to, to preach a message with you this morning. Let me tell you about a couple things that are going on before I get into our message. Thank you, Stephen. You know, there's a couple things going on this week that I just, I want you guys to be aware of that are happening in the life of our church. You know, we've got a bunch of our staff, a bunch of our leaders, some of our elders out of town this week, and I want to ask you to to be praying for them and for who they're with. They're in Rome, Italy right now, when before you think we just sent our team on like an Italian pasta vacation, they are there with a lot of other leaders from the Antioch movement. If you're new to Antioch or you don't know some of our history, Antioch is part of a movement of churches. There are more than 40 U.S. churches under the covering of Antioch movement of churches. We also have more than double that teams around the world. So like 40 U.S. churches and more than 80 international teams working all over the world all over the world to share Jesus, to raise up disciples, to see the kingdom of God advanced. And this week in Rome, the the lead pastors of every U.S. church and the, the team leaders of all the international teams have gathered together in Rome for some equipping, some encouragement to worship with one another. And we want to make sure that we are covering them in prayer. That we're supporting them. That we're saying, hey, we got your back as you are there. So this week, I want to encourage you that just carve out a couple minutes every day to pray for Pastor J.D. and Liz. To pray for Chris Padgett as he's there and some of our other team. But to also pray for the international leaders and the, the different U.S. church leaders as they're there. That they would experience the breath of God. Just like a fresh encounter with God that gives them what they need to come back and lead where God's called them to lead. Amen? Can you do that with me this week? Let's pray for our leaders. Pray for Pastor J.D. Pray for all of our our team leaders as well. One other cool thing that is coming in a couple weeks, we are in the middle of a series called Grow. And it's all about our steps. And our steps is the process that we want to engage in as disciples of Jesus to grow in him. And one of the things that we're committed to doing as a church is providing you with resources to help you engage in these things. Not just talk about them from the stage occasionally, but to give you tools and resources to to put them into practice in your life. And if you're on our email list, you got an email a couple weeks ago that kind of gave you a sampling of a book that's coming out about these steps. It's called The Grow Book. And what we want you to know is this book is coming out in a couple weeks and it's free, okay? We're not like selling this thing, but it's a tool for you. And so in a couple weeks when it arrives, I want to encourage you, grab a copy and read it. Okay, because what it is, is it's a tool to help you engage in these things that we call the steps. And the steps is what we're in the middle of talking about. They're, they're a way, not the way, but a way for us to engage in growth and spiritual development in our lives. Essentially, they are a, a model for us for how we can grow as disciples of Jesus. You know, our desire is that we would be an apprentice of Jesus. That every single person in this room, every person that calls this church home, you would be an apprentice of Jesus. Which means you would be with him, that that you would be like him, 
and that you would do the things that he does. And so we want to give you tools to help you do that along your journey, to give you a, a process that you can continually lean into, not because there's anything, not because the process is the answer, but because processes help us. They give us a roadmap for what to do when we get stuck. When we don't know what else to do, they give us a tool to go back to to say, okay, that's right. I need to lean back in to belong. I need to lean back into matter. I need, to, I need a fresh encounter with God. So we want to encourage you to lean into these things because we believe that God has more for us. We believe that God is not done with you. That God wants to continue to transform your life that he wants to continue to release new things into you. And our, and our understanding, our like conviction of that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in verse 18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are constantly in a process where we are being transformed to be more like God. As we lean into the spirit, as we walk with him, we are in a continual process of God taking us from one stage of being transformed into a new stage of being transformed. You've heard it said from going from glory to glory. God is taking us from glory to glory. He is working himself in and through our lives so that we are transformed to be more and more like him. That's what the steps help us to engage in. They help us to grow in being transformed by God as we engage them. And they're not a linear process. It's not like, okay, I've done encounter. I've done matter. Now I need to check off belong. And, and then I've only got two more and then I'm done with the steps. No, they're, they're, a, they're a rhythm that we're meant to engage they're a rhythm, they're, they're a circular process that we engage over and over again, often daily. It is normal to say, I'm going to engage in the steps every day. I'm going to think through it every day. God, how are you encountering me today? And that's where we started. We started with encounter. Because nothing really changes in our life until we encounter God. Transformation will not really take place in your life until you encounter God. You might have some good self-help tips that, that help you move some things along. You might get more productive in your life, but transformation will not take place without an encounter with God. Transformation is kick-started when we encounter God. And last week, Pastor J.D. talked about the, the why, the how, the what of matter. Moments that matter in our life. You know, we all long for a, such a time as this Esther moment where we get to do something amazing, but there are everyday moments that matter. If we're aware and attentive to what God is doing, we're able to show up and bring what God has. And so if you missed either of those messages, I encourage you to, to jump on the YouTube channel, listen to them on a podcast, find them however you can because they're available and we want you to have them. This week, though, we're going to be diving into our third step, which is belong. And with each of these steps, there's a truth behind it. And then there's a corresponding action that we take that helps that truth get worked out in our lives. The truth in the belong step is that we need each other. We need people in our lives. 
We know that to be true because in Genesis 2, God said it's not good for man to be alone. That's just one of the many ways God reiterates that we need each other. But from the very beginning, God said, it's not good for you to be alone. We need each other in our life. Now, the, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler alert. The corresponding action I would love for you to take this week is if you are not in a life group, to jump into a life group. Our church, just like many churches all over the place, has small groups. And we want you to be in one because we want you to have people in your life. We want you to have people that know you, that love you, that can help you in different seasons of trial and struggle. We want you to be able to show up and be there for people when their trials, trials, when their trials and struggles come along in life. We want you to, to do that. So the truth is that you need people. The action to take is that You need to be in a community of people. Jump into a life group. Join in with it. You know, we need people. Now, I say that and we're all like, yeah, yeah, I I need people in my life. But do you realize that we often have a hard time admitting it to ourselves when it comes to really living it out? And why do we do that? We can say, yeah, I agree with you, pastor. We need, we need people in our lives. But when it comes to putting it into practice, we put up walls and we isolate. We don't let people in. Why? See, there's a deep primal need in the, in the heart of every single one of us, and it's to belong. We long to belong. We long. What does it mean to belong? It's to be known and loved for who you are in whatever stage you're in. Whether it's messy and nasty and you've got a lot of issues you're trying to work through or you feel like, man, I'm really humming on all cylinders. We long to belong. Yet many of us have either never had that sense of belonging met or we've lost it. And so it's easier for us to to say, yeah, I agree, we need to belong. We need people in our life, but I'm going to keep people here. I'm going to keep people at a distance because having it and losing it seems harder. It hurts too much. That question goes unanswered. Or I've tried to fit in and I never felt like I did, so I'm just going to agree with the statement, but I'm going to keep people at a distance because I don't know if, if it's worth the pain of getting that need met. People have let me down before. So I'm just going to keep myself at a distance. I'm going to keep myself at a distance and not really try to get that need met. And then what ends up usually happening is we end up just doing a bunch of weird things to try to meet that need in our life in, in some sideways way and it doesn't work out for us. You know, when I was in, in college, I had a group of friends that... They told really incredible stories. It's kind of like being friends with Pastor J.D. You know, he tells these stories from the front where you're like, did that really happen? There's no way that really happened to you. But, you know, we're friends. And so I'll, we do life together. And 
I'm there sometimes when these things happen. And I'm like, thank God they don't happen to me. And they happen to you because you're a preacher and you need to tell weird stories. But they happen to him all the time. Well, God's just seemed to put those kind of people in my life throughout my entire life. I always seem to be friends with people that weird things happen to. So they end up with these really weird stories. Wild things take place. They don't happen to me. Thank God. The older I get, the more I realize I don't want those kind of stories. I want my life to be a little bit bland so that I don't have to go through that weird experience that you went through. But when I was in college, I had this group of friends that strange things seemed to happen. I'm sure they probably embellished the stories a little bit to to make them seem more grandiose. But I felt like I didn't fit in. I never had a story to tell. No one was ever laughing at the things that happened to me and, and asking me to give some weird anecdote of what took place. So I, I you know, I, I just made one up. Yeah, I just totally made up a story. I, I, I showed up and was hanging out with my friends and I wanted so bad to fit in. And I felt like I didn't that I made up this story. And this story went that I was up Early one morning at the grocery store, I mean, I was a college student, so I was up kind of early in the morning, and I was stocking my, my fridge with microwave pizzas. Back in, when I was in college, microwave pizzas were like 89 cents each, and so that's what I would buy. And I was at the grocery store, and none of this is actually true, but I, this is the story that I told. I went, and I, was, I had filled up my grocery cart. And I was getting ready to check out, and my shoelace got caught in the the wheel and I lost control of the basket and you know grocery stores used to like stack 12 packs of Cokes and like the shape of things like at football season there'd be like a a, a goal post made of Dr. Peppers does anybody else remember that do they still do that and so I told them I, when I lost control of my grocery cart I smashed into one of those and knocked it over I don't even know if that's possible But I told them it happened, and in the chaos of the moment, I ran out and just left everything there as a mess on the ground. Well, people loved that story. It got a lot of laughs, and I got asked to retell it. And it seems like every time I started to retell it, I got a little hit of, oh, I fit. I fit in now. But the more I told it, the more I felt like I didn't belong. The more I felt like I was not part of the group, the more I felt isolated, the more I felt alone. See, because I had taken a weird path to try to fit in, I was longing to have the question answered, to whom do I belong and to what do I belong? And so I tried to make my own way to get there. And every time we try to make our own way, rather than letting God meet that need of belonging that we have. See, this is a primal need in every single one of our hearts to have the question answered, to whom do I belong and to what do I belong? You're all asking it. You may not ask it that way because very rarely do we say to whom. We don't, that's not language we use. But there's something in your heart wondering, where do I fit? Who are my people? Who am I? Is there a place for me? We're all asking that question in some way or another. 
And when we don't let God answer the question to whom do I belong and then to what do I belong, we go about trying to meet that need in weird sideways, backwards kind of odd type ways. This, this has been happening for, since the beginning of time. Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 20. Him and his wife Sarah move into a new part of town. And they meet a guy named Abimelech. And Abimelech is a really important person. Abraham's new. Abimelech's there. He's been settled. He's, so, he's like the king of the area. He's a really important person. And you want to be on Abimelech's good side. So what does Abraham do to try to fit in? He tells Abimelech that Sarah's not his wife, but his sister. And so Abimelech takes Sarah to be like his concubine. And before Abimelech can do anything, God warns him and says, you're going to be in trouble if you mess with her. And so he goes and confronts Abraham. It's like some total high school drama stuff that goes on in the middle of this situation. It's because Abraham was trying to fit in. He was trying to find a place of belonging and he responded in fear because he didn't really know where I fit. Abraham, the father of our faith, still looking for a place of belonging, responded in a weird way so that he could get that need met. That's what happens we, when we don't know who, to whom do we belong and to what do we belong. We will go about getting that need met in so many different ways that never actually satisfies the need that we're looking for. See, we live in a culture today that's a, it's a swipe culture. We, we find ourselves looking at something. It gives us this sense of meeting a need within us. Oh, this is engaging to me. This is interesting to me. This is my thing. And then it quickly fades and so we swipe again to get that need met, to get that hit of maybe this is it. Maybe this is my thing. You know, ultimately what we're trying to answer is where do I fit? Where do I belong? Who are my people? Who am I? You know, people go on journeys across the country, across nations to try to find themselves, trying to answer this question, to whom do I belong? Who am I? And where do I really fit in? You know, this core need of belonging, it, once it gets met, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Research has shown that along with food and shelter, that a sense of belonging will bring about greater life satisfaction and happiness. This is secular research than anything else in the world. Doesn't matter your income level. Doesn't matter your achievement, your status in society, or any other security measure that we take into our life that think, we think is going to make, make us happy. If you don't have a sense of belonging, there's a lack of life fulfillment. Research has shown it over and over again. That's why for three decades, there's been research going on that it's good for families to eat together. That when families eat meals together regularly, that there are social benefits. There's academic benefits. Why? Because it gives families a sense of belonging. 
It gives people a sense of, I fit. It meets the need within them. And so they don't try to morph and shape into something else. See, God is, you know, we talk, I started at the beginning saying, hey, the, the thing that we're going after here, this truth, is that we need people. And so I want you to jump into a life group. And, and now here I am talking about belonging. You may be wondering, where, where are we going with this? I thought we were talking about life group today. Let me, let me tell you something. If we don't first answer the question, to whom do I belong? You will show up in life group and you will try all sorts of weird ways to fit in because you're still not secure that you belong to God. You will bounce from social group to social group to friend group to friend group to church to church looking for a sense of belonging until you find security in knowing that you belong to God. Until we find a sense of security knowing that we belong to God, we will never be able to find our right fit in the family of God. We have to find our belonging in God and then in his family. And until we find our belonging in him, we will be in in rooms like this, insecurity raging within us. Do I fit? 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 We'll think everybody in the room is looking at us, noticing us, when really what's happening is everybody in the room is looking at themselves, asking the same question. Do I fit? 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 Until we get the question answered, I belong to God. I belong to him. I am part of his family. I fit with him. And when we get that question answered, I belong to God. I am his. Then we can find our fit. Then we can show up truly as we are and we can find our fit in the family of God. But first, we have to find our fit in God. First, we have to find that sense of belonging met in him. You know, Romans chapter one says that, and you who are among the Gentiles are called to belong to God. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands or anything, but... I would be willing to bet that most of us in this room are not Jewish ethnicity. We are not Jewish. Which means, in biblical language, you are a Gentile. If you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. When it comes to the Bible. That's just some Bible education for you. So when it says in Romans chapter 1 that you who are among the Gentiles, what is our calling in life? You ever ask that question? You know what your calling is? It's to belong to God. It's to belong to him. To be his. To be his. Not to belong to the world. Not to find your sense of belonging in in culture. Not even to find your sense of belonging in yourself. Yours is to belong to him. To find your sense of worth To find your identity, your security, your comfort in knowing I belong to God. 
Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. How many of us have experienced that? Man, do the world just loves me unconditionally. You know, all the comments I get on everything I post is just so life-giving and encouraging. Everything I think and say, the world just has my back. No. We don't belong to the world. We belong to him. We don't belong to ourselves. This, I mean, this whole It's not a new fad. Let's be clear about that. People have been doing this throughout all of human history. We just have new language around it. I want to go find myself. People have been trying to do that in every generation. Because there's this need to know who I am. And we think if we can discover who I am, then we'll be satisfied. Well, God says it this way in in Galatians chapter 2. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not looking to find myself. I'm looking to die to self and belong to God. Again, I'm, I'm going after this sense of we have to know to whom to we belong, that we belong to him first, that our identity, our security, our comfort has to be found in him before we can ever step into any group and find a sense of security, find a sense of belonging there. We will find ourselves looking around that group trying to figure out what does it mean to fit into this group? What am I willing to show these people about myself? What do I still need to hide? Am I really going to let them in? No matter what kind of group it is, until we know that we belong to God. Until we know that we are his. But once we know that we are his, once we realize that we are accepted, once the the truth of Romans 8 comes alive in our lives, listen to what Romans 8 says. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received did not make you slaves, meaning it did not make you those who have to perform for their acceptance. But it made you so that you live in fear again. No, the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. And then the spirit within us testifies to our, the spirit then testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Once we come into the understanding that we are God's, then we can find our fit in the family of God. Then we can find ourselves having the full sense of belonging, that need that we all have being met. Belonging is met and it has to be met if we're really going to experience belonging and if we're really going to jump into the third step and go to life group and really actually have it begin to transform us. Because I do believe that doing life with people is transformative for us especially when we find our security in God first. Especially when we find our identity in his and saying, I am yours. I am accepted. I am pleased. I'm not working towards my worth, but I've already been accepted as your son, as your daughter. This truth of Romans 8 has come alive in my soul 
So I can, there sh- I can therefore show up in a group and let people see who I truly am. Let people see my flaws. Let people see the mistakes that I make. Be vulnerable with the things I'm wrestling through. I can show up and let people see that without the fear that I'm going to lose this sense of belonging. Once we have that settled in us, we can then step into letting people into our lives. I'm gonna rock the boat a little bit. You know, um, God is not enough for you. Don't get up and leave yet. In Genesis chapter two, at the very beginning of things, Genesis chapter two, verse 18, God has made Adam out of the very dust of the earth. He has breathed his life into his lungs. He has given him relationship. He walks with him. He engages with him. He gave him purpose. Adam is naming the animals and having dominion over the earth. God is having dominion over the things that God has said is good. Day after day, God said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And what's the one thing he said was not good? Is that Adam was alone. Genesis 2, verse 18, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Adam had relationship with God. Adam had purpose in his life. But he didn't have people. And God said, it's not good. You know, we say things like, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not so sure about Christians. Oh, I love worshiping God. I don't know about church, though. You're here. I'm sure you don't say that. I did. I said it my first few years of being a pastor. No joke. I would say things like, man, I love being a pastor if it just weren't for the people. Why? Why did I say things like that? Because I was wounded. Because I had been rejected. Because I wasn't sure that I was really accepted by God. So I kept people at a distance, afraid of getting hurt, afraid of being wounded, afraid of not being accepted. Afraid that people would see the mess of my life and not want to be a part of it. Afraid that people would see that there are some places in my life that aren't quite worked out. That things are messy, that things are broken. Afraid that I would share something vulnerable with someone and then they would throw it back in my face later. It's why we do this. It's why we hide. It's why we don't let people in. It's why you don't just need God. You need people. You absolutely need God. If you don't have God and you just have people, you're not going to be transformed. 
But when you have God, when you know that I belong to God and I belong to his family, then we can really begin to experience some life transformation in ways. We can find ourselves being vulnerable in ways to where we actually begin to see things change in our lives. We start to see our hearts really be transformed. Because what happens is we, we show up in community and we already know we're accepted by God. So we show up and we are willing to let people see the flawed, broken places in our life. And when we let people experience the flawed, broken places of our lives, what they do is they, they respond and they help us. That's what biblical community is supposed to be. It's supposed to be people that help you respond to the broken, shattered, dysfunctional, selfish places in your life to where they begin to get transformed into something new. They begin to get changed and transformed. You know, Jesus talked about four soils in Romans in, uh, Mark chapter 4. He tells this parable that there are these four soils. And let me just read the, through the parable real quick for us. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. So they did not bear any grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, it produced a crop, and it multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold. Jesus then said, whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus would go on to explain to his disciples. They'd pull him aside and say, what does this mean? You know, you're, what does all this actually mean? And Jesus would go on to say that the seed is the kingdom of God. It's the word of God. And that the soil is our hearts. It's us. That the seed gets sown and it falls on four different types of soil. It falls on paths. These are roadways. These are well-worn places in our life, well-worn patterns of thinking, well-worn belief systems that the kingdom of God doesn't have the ability to penetrate. It's not soft ground. And so it quickly gets stolen away. Then there's places of, of rocky soil where it's, it's shallow. The seed is received with joy, but because there's no root, because it's a shallow soil, whenever trouble comes, we lose that, that aspect, that truth of the kingdom that God has sown into our life. Then there's thorny places. Thorny places that the seed comes and it starts to grow, but eventually it gets choked out. It gets choked out by the worries of the world, the deceit of what having more can have in our life. And the kingdom truth gets choked out. And then there's good soil. There's soil where the, the seed of the kingdom takes root in our life and it bears much fruit. 
you know, the, the truth is that you, you and I have all four soils in our life. They have, we have all four. Be encouraged. You've got good soil in your life. And then be aware. You've got some path places where the seed's not penetrating at all. There's some truths in here that you disagree with. And so rather than letting his word be higher than than yours, your word has become higher than his. His thoughts are not higher than yours. Your thoughts are higher than his. That's what paths are. They're places where we decide, you know what? I don't agree with that. That's not going to be true in my life. We have path places. We have rock places where the truth of the kingdom, it's shallow. Maybe we haven't responded in obedience to what God's asked us to do and so there's not really depth in our life in an area. We need to have some things removed from our life so that the soil can get a little bit deeper. There's some some weeds growing in our life. There's some thorns growing in our life. There's some things that are choking out what God's trying to do. Again, we all have them. We all have these places in our life. And and here's, here's what happens. We try to pretend like we've only got good soil. I mean, that's what social media is. Let me display my good soil. I want you to see all this. See the good. Don't see the rocky. Don't see the thorny. Don't see the path places. But transformation doesn't come by only letting people see the good soil in your life. Belonging really doesn't come by only letting people see the good things in your life. True belonging in a group of people is going to happen for you when you show up and you let people see the mess of what's going on in your life. And you let them show up for you. You let them step in for you and say, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me encourage you. Let me send you a text this week encouraging you that that you can do this. Let me remind you of, of what it looks like to obey and respond to the word of God this week. Let me step into this challenge that you're facing. Let's read the word of God together and let's say, okay, what about this makes us uncomfortable? What about this is challenging to us? What about this needs to to change us rather than us trying to change this? You know, belonging, here's what I know to be true for each one of us. It would be easy for me to stand up here and say, all right, here's today's message. Uh, It's belong, you need people. Jump in a life group. The end, see you next week. But it's more complicated for us than that. I don't want you to just show up at a life group and hide. I don't want you to show up at life group and pretend. I want you to show up and be known. I want you to show up and and be loved. I want you to be the one that when someone walks in, 
wondering if they're going to fit. You're the one who helps them. You're the one who encourages them because you, you have such a sense of belonging to God that you're not insecure in the group. When we know that we belong to God, the insecurity that we find in groups of people begins to go away. And when it rises back up, we remind ourselves, I belong to God. And so we don't find ourselves insecure in that group. We find ourselves settled, safe, satisfied. And it gives us the courage to step into something that involves people that might hurt us, that might do something that causes pain to us. You know, I've been in, I've been in life groups for about 20 plus years now. I've led some, I've been a part of some, I've been in some good ones, and I've been in some ones that didn't feel like life groups, they felt like death groups. I've, I've been hurt and I've hurt. You know, I've shared things in life group that felt like they got thrown back in my face later. I've shared things in life group that felt like they got ignored. I've also shared things in life group where people showed up in ways where I don't know how I would have made it through without them. I've also risked and let people in on the broken place where I needed healing, where I needed freedom. And people didn't judge me, but they said, let's be in it together. The truth is, is that God has made a way for this longing to belong, to be satisfied in your life. The first thing he wants to do is he wants to meet you. He wants to meet you. How do, we, how do we go about having this sense of belonging met in our lives, this primal need for each of us to belong? The first thing is God wants to meet you. He wants to give you a revelation today, a new understanding of Romans 8, that you belong to him. I want you to go ahead and stand with me and let's, we'll wrap up this morning. I could probably keep talking for the next couple hours about this, but we've got another service. You know, God wants you to know that you belong to Him. So, what I want to encourage you to do today is just ask God, genuinely, as we go into to worship, as we sing one more song, we just Say, God, would you give me a fresh revelation of what it means to be adopted by you? What it means to be accepted by you? What it means to be chosen by you? Just ask him to reveal that to you. Because I believe once you have that, it's going to give you the courage that you need to then step into relationship with people. Which is going to complete this. Which is going to help you find that true sense of belonging. You're going to understand I belong to God and I belong with people. So God, we ask that right now you would, you would just meet us. You would give us a fresh revelation and a fresh understanding that you love us, that you have accepted us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You chose us and you accepted us. 
So God, would you let our hearts cry out today, Abba, Father. Would you let our hearts cry out, God, we need to belong to you. Would you let our hearts cry out that we need you. Would, would we receive a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation today that we belong to you. We pray in